Good evening, everyone in Alberta, Canada, and beyond. It is Wednesday, November 1st, 2023, and I'm Carrie Lambert, and I welcome you to an online webinar evening of solutions for a new Alberta, brought to you by the Alberta Prosperity Project, also known as APP. APP's purpose is to educate, inspire, and unite all Albertans, businesses, and organizations to promote or to protect their prosperity, individual freedoms, rights, and sovereignty, by empowering the Alberta government to restructure Alberta's relationship with Canada. Of course, we couldn't do this without your help. Uh, and we actually encourage people to sign up if you don't have a membership already. Please go to albertaprosperityproject.com. APP memberships are one year for $20, two years for $30, three years for $40, or you can make a donation there as well. And uh, of course, with... Uh, the new Canadian censorship laws and unable to show news links in online social content, we do ask uh, that you please share, share, share this webinar. Tonight's episode is called AHS and COVID-19 Injuries and Deaths with Dr. William Mackis, who is a radiologist, oncologist, and cancer researcher. And he's been studying injuries and deaths due to vaccine and has been touring with many doctors trying to make as many people aware of these issues as possible. He's also been on the webinar in the past. And of course, we also have APP's interim CEO, Chris Scott, who will be joining us tonight as well. I'm expecting tonight's webinar to be a bit of a bit controversial. I'd like to remind viewers that we do our best to educate Albertans. And this particular topic happens to be a big concern today especially with all the governments promoting flu vaccines for this time of the year. And of course, this is a live webinar, so we encourage you to ask questions and make comments throughout this presentation. Just put three question marks before your question, so it'll be flagged and we can quickly view the questions. And with that, I will now bring on Dr. Mackis and Chris. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening, Terry. How are you, Dr. Mackis? I'm good, totally, thank you. Still, still totally, alive. <laughs> excellent. I was just going to say, I'm totally ignoring the guy who's obviously driving. Where are you, Chris? You usually ignore me anyway. <laughs> True story. I'm uh, I'm actually in Red Deer. We were, were running late getting some stuff for the restaurant and the store. So, yeah. But I didn't want to miss this one because no, uh, it's been a while since we've talked to Dr. Mackis. And this is a, uh, an issue that gets more and more concerning every day. That's right. You know, I... There's my Facebook feed, it gets blown up like every single day with somebody that's sick, uh, somebody that knows someone that's passed away or, or God forbid, uh, last little bit. Uh, there's been a few people that I know that actually have passed away and especially if they say died suddenly. And so, you know, we want to we want to kind of ask if there's any if there's anything we can do about this. Is there any research being done? And with that, we, of course, wanted to bring on Dr. William Mackis, who um, has kind of spearheaded, I guess, looking into this all on your own and maybe give a little bit of a backstory and why you're doing this and, and who you are, too. Certainly. So um, I trained at McGill University as a radiologist and oncologist. Uh, I also have an undergrad uh, degree in immunology from University of Toronto. Uh, I have won 15 scholarships at the University of Toronto. I won the Governor General's Medal in Ontario. I'm a cancer researcher with over 100 publications. And I came to Alberta in 2013 full of hope and optimism, uh, very naive, uh, very excited to work in Alberta to treat, diagnose and treat uh, cancer patients. And so I ran a large cancer program. Then I ran into corruption in Alberta Health Services. Uh, and I've been 
involved in a legal battle with AHS since uh, end of 2015. So mm -hmm. it's now stretching on to eight years. Uh, just uh, unbelievable. But I've learned a lot about uh, the shadow government in Alberta. That is Alberta Health Services. It is absolutely Alberta's shadow government. Uh, it is its own entity. It, it runs the show in the province. It takes half of Alberta's budget from UCP. It takes $23 billion and says, thank you. Now shut your mouth and we're going to take it from here and we're going to run the show. And so, you know, I'm happy to bring a lot of, you know, this kind of insider information about AHS the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta, the Alberta Medical Association to people because AHS has spent over $5 million in legal fees trying to silence me. Um, they tried to bribe me. Uh, in, you know, in 2017, they tried to bribe me with a $400,000 bribe uh, to make me sign a non-disclosure agreement, which I refused. Ever since then, they've held my medical license hostage, have threatened my family, threatened my kids repeatedly. Uh, right now, AHS is in the process of... Um, of an extortion scheme in the courts at the court of king's bench they've they've bribed three judges at the court of king's bench one at the court of appeal to conduct fraudulent court applications so they could hit me with court costs and things like that it's sort of an extortion racket that hs is engaging in right now under ucp with using ucp money um so lots going on with alberta health services now um most recently as you as you'll know um AHS has been recommending vaccines for babies as young as six months old. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is following the um, recommendations put out by Dr. Teresa Tam and, you know, the public health, uh, mm -hmm. Canada's public health. Um, and, you know, they've been trying to implement a mask mandate in Alberta again. Now they say, uh, it's my understanding that they're making it uh, sort of, uh, they're they're letting hospitals choose, which is, which is nonsense because AHS is a very tightly run organization, and so there is no choice within AHS. But mm -hmm. I think they're rolling it out in a slow way. They don't want Albertans to rise up and say, "Hey, what are you guys doing? You guys are trying to bring back another pandemic." And you know, I think the most uh, egregious of all of this uh, is that they continue to cover up the vaccine injuries and vaccine deaths. They continue to force vaccines on all healthcare workers, all 105,000 healthcare workers in Alberta. So we we officially don't have a vaccine mandate, but the vaccines are still being forced. Uh, the jobs, you know, the new jobs still require uh, these poor healthcare workers to be fully vaccinated. So we have we have a healthcare system here in Alberta that is, I would say, completely out of control. And you know, I am a supporter of Danielle Smith. Um, you know, I'm a supporter of, of APP and what you guys do. I support Alberta having its own uh, pension plan. I support Alberta having its own police force. You know, I'm a big supporter of all those things. What I find fascinating, though, is that healthcare is something that no one will touch. Uh, that it, it's it's literally you might as well have one of Justin Trudeau's people, you know, running AHS, and and it would look exactly the same. Uh, doctors are still being stripped of their licenses for trying to, you know, well, they've stopped trying to treat COVID patients because, you know, that, that came out back in 2021. We've got a public health chief, Dr. Mark Jaffe, who's basically a notly appointee going back to 2017 when she elevated him from a low-level AHS bureaucrat to an AHS vice president 
uh, of the Alberta Northern Zone. And I, and I remember that very vividly because they did it using my lawsuit. They kicked out his predecessor using my lawsuit. So Mark Jaffe is a far left activist, notly uh, person who was given a beautiful five-year contract from NDP. He is still currently our public health chief. We have we have AHS being in charge, uh, AHS CEO Mauro Chies and AHS Chief Medical Officer Dr. Francois Belanger, both of them uh, hardcore NDP appointees going back to the beginnings of the Notley government back in 2015 and 2016, and they've been in their positions the entire time. And we are literally into the fifth year of a conservative government, and our entire healthcare system is run by Trudeau slash Notley you know, appointed individuals going back to 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a college that's run by Notley appointees. Um, Scott McLeod, appointed in 2017 by Notley. Uh, Dr. Michael Cafaro, whose dad was the Associate Chief Justice of the Alberta Provincial Court. He's the Associate Registrar and Complaints Director. He's the one who sabotages doctors who who actually speak up about the dangers of the COVID vaccines. So I know I'm, I'm hitting you with a lot of information right now. So I'm just going to take a breather for a few seconds. Yeah, well, and, and I was going to say, you know, like, these are a lot of names. These are a lot of, uh, I'm going to say allegations because I like trying to sit on the fence for, for certain things and, and basically say, so is this an opinion of yours? Do you have documentation on all this that, uh, that they're, they're corrupted, uh, like, like, Kind of maybe maybe give us a little bit more of a story as to what's going on with all that. Yeah, and, th- and that's that's what I that's what I would ask too because uh, you know there were some pretty strong words used there, and when you use words as strong as um, bribe and extort, I mean we got to be able to back that up. So how how do you back that up? I've got about fifty thousand pages of documents, uh, most wow. of which have which most of which have been filed at the Court of King's Bench. Um, some which have been filed with the Edmonton police. There's a criminal uh, complaint file assigned to it. Of course, they ended up kind of covering it up, uh, but it's been filed with the Edmonton police. Um, There were even some documents filed with the RCMP. I can back up everything I say, and I can tell you, um, you know, I've I've been threatened left and right, but if, you know, AHS has not been able to silence me, and and, and they did bring two emergency injunction applications to have me silenced. They brought it to court back in 2020. And they said, listen, Macus is like exposing our corruption. We can't have that. And and it was interesting because AHS had actually filed applications to to have me stripped of my charter rights to freedom of expression. And they brought this before Justice Terrence Claxon at the Court of King's Bench. And Justice Claxon looked the entire legal team of AHS. Now, we've, you know, they always have an all-star legal team uh, that fills up the, the court benches. I'm usually self-represented. And he asked them, well, if all these allegations Dr. Macus says are false. Why have you not filed a defamation claim against him? Why are you trying to go through all these legal loopholes and try to strip him of his charter rights? That's a good and question. Just, yeah. And they just stood there silent. So I've never had a defamation claim filed against me by AHS. And I have used some very strong language and some very strong allegations against AHS. They know I can back everything up. Uh, wow. What they rely, what AHS relies on is um, they, they have a very strong control over all the major law firms in Alberta, they have a strong control over the media in Alberta, certainly the mainstream media, but you know, I've started to suspect even some of the alternative media. And and so really there's there's absolutely no consequences for anything AHS does. And and so really, you know, they have no fear. They have absolutely no fear. And we we I mean we, Albertans saw it 
and I'm going to sort of stop speaking about about my case, but Albertans saw this with with Sheila Annette Lewis, for example, the yes. yeah. one of only two unvaccinated transplant patients who were murdered in Canada. One of them was murdered in Alberta mm -hmm. by Alberta Health Services, and that was Sheila Annette Lewis. And they got away with it. Like like not only did they get away with it, but the judges. There were four judges um, who backed. AHS in denying her a transplant, which eventually led to her death. Hmm. And, and, and so, you know, it, it's, um, I, I think when you talk about, you know, AHS and the college and what they do, it's not that the language is strong. I think the language is honest. And, and I'm simply, you know, going to give you my honest um, view of things. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I have everything I need to back it up. Um, you know, if, if AHS could have silenced me in, in some way, or if I was if I was wrong about anything, believe me, they would have silenced me a long time ago. Can I ask if do you know kind of the ins and outs story of uh, Sheila Annette Lewis? Um, I know some of the story. Um, you know, and, and of course there are some. You know, there were there were some things that were not supposed to be released. Okay. I believe there was sort of a court. Uh, order on so for example the doctors who were involved their names were not supposed to be released okay. her condition was not supposed to be released okay. uh, I do know the judges who were involved in her case one of the judges used to be my lawyer uh, for my medical corporation about a decade ago uh, he denied her case at the lower courts and then there are three judges that denied her case at the Alberta Court of Appeal one of those judges is right now extorting me right now on behalf of Alberta Health Services so uh, how, it, how, how do they do? How are they extorting you? So that gets a little bit complicated. What what they've done with me is that I have a lawsuit against AHS. Now, mm -hmm. that lawsuit has basically been ground to a halt because what they've done is is um, instead of allowing my lawsuit to proceed. So so they're not allowing me to question uh, uh, AHS executives for um, discovery examinations for discovery anymore. Uh, they simply said, we're not going to produce any more people for you to examine under oath. And instead, they have flooded the court with fraudulent applications, contempt applications, all kinds of procedural things. Uh, for example, the college filed to, to get themselves out of the lawsuit. And whenever they file something and let's say a judge then gives them a procedural thing, AHS then comes back and says, well, we want enhanced costs. We want double or triple the costs we would normally, the court costs, we would normally be awarded because Macus is bothering us and, and, wow. and we're, very, we're very bothered by this. And they're doing it in, um, they're doing this over and over and over, right? And so in the last five years, AHS has spent over 5 million Alberta taxpayer dollars simply trying to break me and my family. They filed 13 fraudulent court applications. I've taken those applications. I've tried to have AHS declared as a vexatious litigant and the judge basically sabotaged my case and said, there's no evidence here, even though there was a thousand pages of evidence. It was an open and shut case of court abuse. The judge sided with AHS, so there's no evidence here. But now we're going to punish you for going up against AHS. We're going to hit you with court costs and we're going to hit you with, with enhanced court costs and so on. So it's a mafia. I mean, look, I think anyone who's got two brain cells to rub together in Alberta knows that AHS is completely corrupt. It's a mafia. People don't know how this mafia runs and how it operates, who the people are. That's why I named people, people like Verna Yu. Verna Yu was a AHS mafia operative 
going back to 2012, I mean, she was under the conservatives. She told Rachel Notley, look, I'm going to be aligned with the Trudeau-Notley alliance in 2015. She was rewarded with an appointment as AHS CEO. She had a beautiful contract getting paid $700,000 base salary. And she was the head of, she was the AHS CEO until mid-2022 when Jason Kenney fired her, but this was three years into Kenney's government. And guess where she landed now? Instead of being criminally investigated for implementing an illegal vaccine mandate on Alberta's 105,000 healthcare workers, she's the vice president of the University of Alberta currently, right now. That was her soft landing. That was her reward for implementing vaccine mandates and, and really sabotaging the careers of thousands of Alberta healthcare workers. We've never recovered from that, by the way. We have healthcare shortages still to this day. We have not recovered. I mean, this idea that, you know, we're going to bring a couple of hundred nurses from Philippines and that's going to mm -hmm. fix the system is, is silly, you know. And, and again, I know that, you know, there's cer certain political theater that has to be played, but she was never punished for, for anything she's done. She was basically just promoted to another very powerful position. Um, so anyway, so sorry, I got, I got sort of, um, no, that, tangent there, it's, it's fascinating that that even is, is a thing like that's right out of a true crime novel, right? Uh, and, oh like, yeah. So, so that's what I wanted to say. So, so Jason yeah. Kenney, I actually believe that AHS ended Jason Kenney's political career. I believe that the, the way AHS manipulated the situation during the pandemic the way they blocked early treatments for COVID-19. This came out of the, the offices of the, the AHS COVID-19 Scientific Advisory Group, which was uh, chaired by Dr. Bradley Mans and uh, Dr. Lenora Saxinger. Dr. Lenora Saxinger is one of Rachel Notley's best friends. They have pictures together all over uh, Twitter. Uh, Dr. Bradley Mans, he... Um, he reported directly to Dr. Francois Belanger, who's the AHS chief medical officer who was appointed by Notley in 2015. These are the people that ran the COVID-19 scientific advisory group throughout the entire pandemic who said vitamin D doesn't work, ivermectin doesn't work, hydroxychloroquine doesn't work. They killed a big hydroxychloroquine trial in Alberta that could have saved 1,600 Albertans. They killed that trial on the basis of a fraudulent paper the Lancet Gate paper that came out and said that hydroxychloroquine is associated with, with heart uh, adverse events, which was completely fraudulent. Uh, that paper was pulled and, and they never restarted the hydroxychloroquine trials. And we know that when Danielle Smith even mentioned hydroxychloroquine, she was crucified yes. by the media, but she was right. She was 100% right. So, you know, a lot of corruption. I can tell you, I mean, I could talk... You know, I don't want to waste time on, on this kind of stuff because, you know me, I could talk about this stuff for hours and hours. But, um, you know, I mean, I think what's what's pertinent today is that Jason Kenney never cleaned up AHS. You know, he started to do an AHS review in 2019. Mm -hmm. That review by Ernst & Young found that about 2,000 of AHS's 3,000 managers are completely useless and shouldn't be there. And I thought, great, now Jason Kenney and Tyler Shandro are going to clean house. And then the pandemic hit, and that was it. Jason Kenney never touched healthcare again. And even though he talked about the Great Reset and, and, you know, Klaus Schwab and look at these lunatics and so on, and we'll never bring vaccine mandates and we'll never bring vaccine passports, Jason Kenney caved on absolutely everything. 
And yeah. AHS and, and you know, Dina Henshaw and Verna Yu made him look like a complete idiot, made him look like he was not in control at all. Okay, he gave, you know, Henshaw a bit of a bribe to, to make things look just a little bit different than what was going on in the other provinces. Uh, so, you know, he opened up Alberta for the Stampede, for example. But yeah. other than that, Kenny caved on absolutely everything. And I do believe that Alberta's healthcare mafia basically finished his political career. Because if he had cleaned up AHS in the beginning, if he had fired Hinshaw, fired yeah. Verna Yu, and put in conservative people in there, and actually made some kind of an attempt to clean up the healthcare system and not cave in yeah. to uh, all the abuses that we saw during the pandemic, I think we would be in a different shape. I mean, the abuse of, of Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky and the persecution of Christian pastors. I mean, you too, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was AHS that came after you. It was AHS that came after Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky. I mean, we ended up at the level of North Korea yeah. in the persecution of Christians. And this is Alberta, for God's sake. Like, we yeah. are Alberta. How are we on the level of North Korea where Christians were not persecuted anywhere else in the world the mm -hmm. way they were persecuted here. And really to this, to almost to, to the day, I mean, Pastor Arthur's, you know, thing ended just, uh, just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Right. That, that, that fraudulent uh, case that they had against him. So, um, you know, we have a lot to be embarrassed about, uh, unfortunately in Alberta and a lot to be fixed. And, you know, I love Alberta. Um, I think Alberta could lead the way in, in, in Canada. Uh, especially in healthcare, I, yeah. I believe Alberta could lead, we truly be a leader. Um, and but we need to get a grip on on the healthcare system, and that is the one big piece that's missing. One thing I did want to ask before we maybe change topics here or go in a different direction is: Are you the only doctor that's currently kind of number one doing what you're doing in terms of? talking uh talking out about what's what's been going on maybe even maybe you're the only doctor that's talking about the corruption in ahs but the other thing that i want to know is is there an ahs equivalent in every single province is there a bc health services there is saskatchewan health services and are they running through these same issues so i'm not the only uh, doctor in alberta I'm, I'm probably the most prominent one because What's interesting is when when they took my license hostage, I basically said, keep my license. I'm not signing any any documents that you put in front of me. I'm not taking any bribes. And, and so at that point, the AHS and the college lost all leverage mm -hmm. uh, on me. So uh, I have the um, you know, I have the benefit of having absolutely no pressure points or leverage points that AHS and the college can use, which they're using on other doctors. Mm -hmm. uh, other doctors have spoken up. You've had Dr. Gary Davidson has spoken right. up, Dr. Right. Roger Hawkinson, yeah. uh, Dr. Yeah. Dennis Modry had had spoken up as well. I remember he had written a, a letter to Jason Kenney um, early on in the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there are other doctors who've spoken up. Dr. Daniel Nagasi has spoken mm -hmm. up. He's being persecuted for speaking up. I believe the college is still after his license, even though he uh, he handed his license back and he said, you can Yeah, they are, that. yeah. And they're still trying to persecute him with complaints. Actually, uh, Dr. Roger Hopkinson also has a college complaint uh, coming after him. So, so there are those of us, you know, who have stood up in Alberta, and of course there are other doctors in in, in Canada who've been persecuted for standing up as well. Dr. Charles Hoff in BC, Dr. Stephen Malthouse. Oh, that's in, right. Ontario, in Ontario. You've got you know Dr. Patrick Phillips, Dr. Mark Trozzi, Dr. Colvin Carroll, Dr. Crystal Lichku, Dr. Chris Shoemaker, uh, Dr. Mary O'Connor. Uh, 
you know, there are doctors who've stood up for patients and stood up for their Hippocratic oath and for medical ethics, uh, but every one of them is being persecuted. Now, as to your question about the, um, the health authorities in the different provinces, the various provinces, as far as I know, have multiple health authorities. And so British Columbia has five health authorities. Manitoba has two health authorities, I believe. I'm not sure what the situation is in Ontario, but every province has multiple health authorities. The yeah. distinction that Alberta has, and again, it's something that Albertans probably don't know about, is that Alberta Health Services is the biggest health authority in Canada. It may actually be the biggest health authority in North America. 105,000 healthcare workers, all under the direction of, of people you could really count on one hand, uh, bureaucrats who control uh, this entire healthcare system, which is a problem because if you run into, let's say you upset your AHS manager, uh, and and your AHS manager says, "Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get you fired. I'm gonna get, you know, get, I'm gonna destroy your career because we know that AHS is extremely vindictive." Um, you you cannot get a job anywhere else in Alberta because the system is completely controlled. We have only one health authority. So it's not like you can leave and go to work in another health authority. If AHS sabotages you as a doctor, nurse, any kind of healthcare worker, you have to leave the province. Uh, the only reason I haven't left the province is because uh, I believe that this corrupt system can actually be brought down. I have more than enough, I've had more than enough documentation to bring down AHS for many years. Jason Kenney knew, Tyler Shandro knew, Jason Copping, the health ministers, they knew about my case. Uh, they were just too afraid to do anything about Alberta Health Services. Uh, so I think it can be fixed, mm -hmm. but it is a, you know, it is a massive corrupt system. It's hurting thousands of Albertans. I do believe that most of the Albertans who died from COVID-19, this is about 5,800 Albertans, I believe 90% of those deaths were completely unnecessary. If, the, if AHS had simply allowed the use of approved medications like ivermectin, like hydroxychloroquine, other, um, other early treatments that doctors wanted to try and were not allowed to, I do believe that most of those patients could have been saved. And I, I want to point out after you said that, because I can hear, I can hear the, the trolls yelling, oh, that's, uh, people are just going to be crapping their pants. But other jurisdictions all over the world used that early treatment. Yes. And they have, they have world-renowned physicians uh, running their departments there. And they said, yeah, we're going to save people. And they did it. So yep. it's not like, it's not like this is a conspiracy or even a theory of any kind. This is what you just said about early treatment is backed up by empirical evidence from all across the world. And, and it's not hidden. Mm -hmm. you know? And there are doctors who, who've treated thousands of patients uh, with, these with these medications, safe approved medications and had, no, had virtually no deaths. Um, so again, and this is something that, you know, should be properly investigated. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's one thing for me to say it online. You know, it's something that should have, let's say an in independent investigation, right? Yeah. Now, of course, yeah. federally, we had the National Citizens Inquiry, even though it was it was done federally, but it wasn't actually done through the federal well, government. Well, it was, it was done nationally. Nationally, that's, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Is there going to be a provincial one? And are, and are we looking into all this, the problems we've had with, uh, with people uh, 
passing out and blood clots and, and all that? Like, is there is there plans to do any of that? Because I know at one point there was. Well, the, the, only, the only thing I'm aware of, and maybe Dr. Mackis can correct me, is uh, as far as I know, Preston Manning is leading a inquiry into the way the government handled the pandemic and looking at the legislation to see if there's anything that can be changed. Now, regarding what you're asking, Carrie, about um, you know the, the harms that have happened, the apparent harms, by the way, that have happened to the people of Alberta and, and all over the world due to uh, a vaccine that was that was uh, approved for use without testing, as the NCI pointed out. Mm. I don't believe that there's any kind of formal inquiry like that happening in Alberta. And I'll turn it over to Dr. Mackis to, to elaborate. Mm. I'm not aware, you know, beyond that either. Um, and, you know, it, it's um, inquiries are nice. Uh, certainly, I'm a big supporter of the National Citizens Inquiry. Um, I testified at the National Citizens Inquiry. I gave 64 documents. I gave my entire database on, on Canadian doctor deaths that the mainstream media didn't want, that the Canadian Medical Association didn't want. I've provided that. I believe it's publicly available now. People can go and get the database and with all the names, all the deaths and all the information and see for themselves that Canadian doctors are dying at a 50% increased excess mortality you know, last year compared to 2019. I think the pressing problem um, is that uh, people are being injured and dying every day, right, uh, from the COVID vaccines. And AHS is not allowing those those reports to go through, to go through to Health Canada. Uh, any doctor who tries to report a vaccine injury is, is basically looking at, you know, the end of his career for doing so, even though it's their legal responsibility to do so. I've had a number of doctors tell me that uh, all the vaccine injury reports that they submitted came back to them rejected, not by Health Canada, rejected by AHS. Hmm. And AHS then said, we're going to look very closely at you and what you're doing and, and why you're filing these reports and your job here and, and, and whether you belong here in Alberta or not. Uh, that's a pressing concern. We have people being harmed right now, right? So it's one thing to have inquiries and all that. We have children who are, who are being harmed right now. Yeah. We have pregnant women who are being harmed right now. Um, you know, I recently reported, uh, this was only about a week or two ago, I, I documented 70 children ages five months to 12 years old who died after taking a Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. These are reports that were made to the VAERS reporting system in the United States or the Australian system. The Canadian system is basically completely fraudulent, the, the reporting system, because they've basically admitted zero deaths from the COVID-19 vaccines, even though there's 30,000 deaths in, in the VAERS reporting system. And we know that there's an, there's an under-reporting factor of anywhere from 30 to 100-fold. So, um, you know, we don't have, a, I think people have to understand, we don't have a vaccine adverse uh, event reporting system in Canada. We don't have one. Okay. It's basically a complete fraud. It's something that just exists on paper, doesn't actually exist in, in, in real life. Um, so, so the pressing issue is that people are being harmed on a scale, you know, we, we haven't seen. I mean, back in 2021, CBC reported that the number one cause of death in Alberta was cause unknown. To yeah. this day, we haven't had a single... Um, member of parliament even acknowledge that fact, let alone call for an investigation, call for the autopsies to be done. Let's do autopsies on sudden and unexpected deaths. Let's stain for the spike protein, stain for the nucleocapsid protein. If it's long COVID, I want to know. 
and I want, I, and I'm, I'll be the first person to come out and say all of these people are dying from long COVID. Mm-hmm. So let's do the staining and find out. But guess what? If they're dying of the vaccine, then you have to, the, the vaccine has to be taken off the market and yeah. people who are responsible for these deaths have to be criminally investigated, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so there's this, there's a certain urgency. And I think, you know, I see it from the perspective of, I've been reporting sudden deaths um, for over a year and a half now, but I've been doing it full time for the last seven or eight months. Yeah. And I see the scale of the carnage that I think most people cannot even fathom. Yeah. Uh, I've reported about two and a half thousand sudden deaths. I've got another thousand sudden deaths sitting on my desk. Some of these are children. Some of these are teenagers. Some of these are college university students who were mandated to take the vaccines. Nurses who are mandated, doctors who are mandated, police officers, firefighters, military, uh, you know, all these people who were forced to take the vaccines to keep their jobs still coming down with blood clots, myocarditis, autoimmune diseases, neurological diseases, turbo cancers, and of course, sudden deaths. Um, And and I see this happening on a scale that is is just uh, really frightening. So so there is a certain, to me, there's a certain urgency in acting rather than, you know, doing inquiries and commissions and so on, while thousands of more people continue to die. Yeah. And Alberta could be, see, here's the thing, Alberta could, I, I truly believe that Alberta could actually lead the way in pushing back against the corruption of healthcare in Canada. And you asked, how is it in different provinces? The, the bureaucracy is corrupt throughout Canada. And at the highest level, they're all friends. They're all friends. They back each other up. And I can tell you, uh, when you looked at when, when Jason Kenney finally fired Verna Yu, who came to her defense? It was all these bureaucrats from outside of Alberta, British Columbia, That's right. Ontario, and so on. They all came to her defense because they're all friends. They all work towards a common goal. They, you know, they take orders from the same global institutions, whether it's yeah. you know, the WHO, whether it's the World Economic Forum. They all serve the same global institutions. Uh, and, and so at the highest level, you know, they're all friends. Alberta could really break up this control of the healthcare system and really bring back medical ethics, bring back the Hippocratic Oath, allow doctors and nurses to practice ethically, which we don't have right now, mm-hmm. uh, scrap the vaccine mandates, uh, and, and you know, at least halt, I always say, halt the COVID vaccines, at least for kids and pregnant women. The very least we can do as a society is try to protect our kids yeah. and, our preg- and pregnant women. Uh, even though we've done such a horrible job, you know, over the last two years that we've allowed millions of kids to be injected with these uh, toxic experimental COVID vaccines. Uh, and we don't know how many kids are going to be harmed down the road, the long-term effects these kids are going to exhibit. We still can try to protect Alberta kids and pregnant women in Alberta. Start that. That should be step one. Ban the vaccines, ban the COVID vaccines in children and pregnant women and go from there. Just go from there. And Alberta can truly lead the way and become a beacon of, of light and hope in, in North America, the way, you know, Florida has in, in many ways. Okay, so I, I have a, cu- a couple of comments and then a question. My, my first comment is uh, just recently, even Health Canada acknowledged uh, that they found that the the jabs contained some things in there that weren't supposed to be there and were downright dangerous. 
and yet we still haven't seen a halt on it. Now, this is on the heels of uh, a Health Canada and a Minister of Health for the country who approved this vaccine without proper safety data because there was a pandemic. Now, I'd like to point out to folks out there, um, there is no pandemic. Maybe there wasn't one. I don't I, I don't know. It's, it's in the past, but there isn't one. And yet these are still being used. And in the midst of all this, uh, we're seeing very strange things happen around us. For instance, I'll go speak at an event where I ask if, you know, how many people here know of somebody who's had a, a adverse reaction to the COVID vaccine? Everybody puts their hand up. Yeah. I ask, does it, is there anybody in this room who's had somebody lost somebody suddenly, uh, unexplained? And a, a lot of people put up their hand. So, um, you know, those two things are are real. We're seeing them. The truth is coming out now. What you've s described is a huge problem in this province. Like this is a huge problem. And you've said that we need to be the like the leaders and and uh, be the kind of a beacon of hope and and get this fixed so we can show the rest of the country that it can be fixed. If it is what you say it is, and Alberta Health Services is this monolithic juggernaut of a mafia type organization, thick with leftist bureaucracy, been there for decades. How in the world, and knowing that they can do things like bring down governments or, or, or force premiers to resign, how does a government who wants to change these things, who is aware that these problems exist and they want to make remedy, how do they have a hope in hell of doing that against such an adversary? Well, courage. It just takes courage. Um, I, I do believe that uh, in terms of the, you know, the, 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 um, the legal aspect of it and, you know, the Health Professions Act, I believe the government has all, all tools in place to, to take back control of Alberta Health Services, to put, you know, their own individuals uh, in place, in, in positions of, of authority. Um, now, the college is a little bit of a trickier issue because the college right now is a, is a private corporation. And, and so that is a little bit more tricky because you know, the, the college is what controls the medical licenses of 11,000 doctors in Alberta. Uh, and it has over time evolved into this sort of a private entity that acts as the strong arm of, of the healthcare mafia and whoever may be in charge of the healthcare mafia at the time, uh, the college kind of carries out the sabotage of doctors, for example. And, and a lot of prominent people have, lawyers have built their careers sabotaging doctors, not the least of which is uh, Alberta's chief justice of the Court of Appeal, Justice Ritu Kular, who was a senior partner in the law firm that sabotaged my medical license and who actually presided over the sabotage of uh, Alberta orthopedic surgeon, uh, Dr. Algamdi in 2017. Justin Trudeau just put her in charge of Alberta's highest court uh, six months ago. So now, what, um, what, what do you mean by sabotage, though? Well, presided over tribunals where uh, the physician was his license was sabotaged. Uh, he was basically um, prevented from working. Uh, they hit him with close to a million dollars in fees. They suspended his license for three years. All because on, he what, on what grounds? On the grounds that he didn't get along with the AHS managers in his hospital. No, but I mean, they must have had some sort of a complaint that they used to trigger those types of sanctions. Well, exactly. So the, the complaints are always fabricated, right? The complaints are always brought um, 
same way that I was sabotaged. You know, someone brought a complaint, uh, you know, that, you know, I wrote um, them a mean email or something or that they were upset by an email that I wrote. Then they make a big deal out of this. They make a whole complaint process. It, it's a whole it's a whole process that they put you through when they want to destroy somebody's career. And I can sort of walk you through that. I, I don't think that's sort of you know pertinent tonight. Uh, we could maybe do, do another whole session on that another time. But um, you asked about how you know these things can be fixed. Um, the college has to be dissolved. There, there's, there seems to be no mechanism to be able to go into the college as a private corporation that it is now, run mostly by bureaucrats and lawyers, and just say, well, we're going to put our own people in and so on. I, I think the college has to be dissolved and a new medical board has to be reconstituted. That could be done in a couple of days. And with a majority government, you need you know two, three lawyers, drop an amendment to the Health Professions Act, and you can have a new medical board up and running. You can even grandfather all the doctor's uh, licenses if you want to into the new medical board, but you basically have to kick out the people who are controlling the college hmm. and issuing these, by the way, issuing these illegal edicts that doctors cannot treat COVID patients with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and they cannot issue vaccine exemption letters and so on. The college has been getting right in between the patient-doctor relationship, the Alberta College. They've sabotaged many doctors. Uh, they've contributed to the healthcare shortages. Um, and I see, so, so the college has to be dissolved. Now, AHS, you know, AHS is a massive entity. I don't think you necessarily have to dissolve AHS right away. Uh, I know that uh, Premier Daniel Smith has talked about sort of a decentralization. I don't know what uh, that looks like. Um, I am quite familiar with the Alberta Health Services organizational structure, which is extremely complex. Uh, I downloaded a document a few years ago that was about over 200 pages of just uh, graphs of the organizational structure of Alberta Health Services. It was 200 pages just who reports to whom and, and who's, 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 they're like 10 to 15 layers of management uh, in every single hospital department in Alberta. Mm -hmm. And so that's something you're going to need to have individuals who have expertise in that. Uh, but I think the first thing is you kick out the people who've been there for a decade or 15 years. Uh, there are people who, there are people right now at the highest levels of AHS who've been there since AHS was founded in 2008 or 2009. Mm -hmm. You have to kick those people out. You know, this idea that, well, the bureaucrats know best. Uh, yeah, we know how they've done over the last decade. All these people need to be kicked out. They have to be fired. They have to be replaced. And you can start You can start with, with just replacing those people and then, you know, have a deep dive into the organizational structure and how that can be changed and 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 how ahs could in some ways be decentralized and disassembled um and well, there, need... there must be sorry there must be some good people there too though absolutely L listen so when you look at a bureaucracy right it's it's there's good people there's bad people there's people who do all the work and then there's people yeah. who go for a ride and then you know do nothing and collect huge salaries it's 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 like that in every organization you, mm -hmm. you basically take the elon musk approach right? What he did with Twitter. And Twitter was was a private company. He went into Twitter. He found out there's all kinds of, you know, abuses and, 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 and management doing, you know, bad things. He fired something like 80% of the workforce, yeah. figured out who actually does the work, you know, kept a, a very core 
group of people who who he knew were the hard workers who were committed and then rehired people as he needed but he got rid of the entire management right and so it was basically the kind of slash and burn approach that you need in in really any bureaucracy that kind of grows over time and becomes inefficient and in mm -hmm. the case of AHS, really corrupt because we're not just talking about inefficiency anymore. We're, we're talking about a lot of corruption as well. Mm -hmm. and, but I think the first step is to take control of the management and, and the key positions. Uh, and you know what? At least, like, can we get Rachel Notley's people out? Like, is that that's too a, much? Yeah. Like, is that that's, too much to ask? Really? That's a good point. And, and right? I wonder if, if Jason Kenny had done that. You know, if he had done that when he took office and had the and and followed through on his uh, promise to to rehab AHS, I bet you things would have looked a little bit different. You know, Alberta. I mean, there's no reason that Alberta could have been the Florida of Canada, and even even better, even better, because there's still some abuses happening in Florida as well. You know, there were some mandates and so on, but I mean, Alberta could have really bucked the trend again i know that you know justin trudeau put tremendous pressure you know there was you know big money involved in especially when when it, at the time that it came to vaccine mandates uh and and again i, I understand that it was a global push so maybe jason kenny simply didn't have the power um to do it but if he did have the power then he certainly didn't have the courage to do what was needed and he could have been alberta's most popular best premier of all time and, it's, and instead, he's basically, uh, his career, political career, was completely destroyed. Yeah. And, you know, even though it seemed like at times he was trying to please everybody, but in reality, he sold Albertans out. Uh, there was there was absolutely yeah. no excuse. There was no excuse for the abuses that we saw against Christians, against Christian pastors. There's absolutely no excuse for the abuses that we saw against uh, uh, small businesses, small business owners, you know, like yourself, uh, like the gym owners, you know, the, the restaurant owners, there's absolutely no excuse. There was no excuse, uh, you know, for the churches being shut down, um, you know, the, the vaccine mandate, the vaccine passports, the the blocking early treatments, there, there was no excuses for any of that. Uh, you know, the problem Jason Kenny had, uh, he, he, he would have never done well, because when you're a poll hound and you rely on the polls yeah. to become elected again, you, you can't win because the polls couldn't help them in this case. We were a province that was divided. It was a country divided. And in that case, you need and you need an iron man or an iron lady, someone that's going to do the right thing and not blink because the polls will not help you. And yeah. I think we have that to some extent now. You know, I think we have a lot of good people within the government and even outside the government and bureaucracy that yeah. want to do the right thing. And, and a lot of the things you've described, um, you know, these are, these are some scary things, right? And, and to push back against it is going to take a lot of courage. But I think the tide's changing because people see that you can't, you can't go through those times just, just worrying about the polls. Um, but yeah. the other thing is, it's, it's come to our attention that we may have made deals with outside organizations like the CDC and the FDA. And now, of course, which would be the WHO because they control the CDC and FDA, um, that we get our drugs for cheaper if we follow their rules. So there's there's also this looming threat of, oh shoot, we're not gonna be able to support socialized healthcare if we, if we don't get these discounts anymore. So we better just go along to get along, you know? And uh, I think it's time that ends, ended. 
I agree, I agree with you. And I, I do believe that the public sentiment is is shifting dramatically. And where you, where you can see this is, you know, go online and go on, on the site of Twitter site, let's say, of any of the CDC director of, of the FDA on, on Teresa Tam uh, and, and any of the doctors, the celebrity doctors that push the vaccines yeah. uh, and and look at how people respond when they're pushing the vaccines now. When they say, oh, go get your booster shot, safe in pregnancy, or so on, all of those posts are ratioed and they're ratioed massively. There's tremendous anger and pushback uh, on these individuals for still pushing these vaccines, still pushing them on children, uh, still pushing them on pregnant women with, with all the injuries and harms that we've seen. And, and people, people are waking up to, to what's been done to them. Uh, and, and, you know, we may not have. We, we, we may not be at a point of sort of a mass awakening yet. I think we're heading there. I, we're, we're not quite there yet. Uh, you know, it, we'll reach a point where, you know, the talk of vaccine injury, it'll be like talking about, you know, smoking and lung cancer. You know, if you're trying to be, uh, you know, a person these days saying, no, there's no way smoking causes lung cancer. That's a conspiracy. That's a Russian conspiracy theory. And, and there's no evidence to prove that, you know, you're going to be laughed. Yeah. I love that. And we're going to reach that point with the vaccine injuries where that is going to be the norm because that is the experience of people. You know, that is what I see right now on my social media as well, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Instagram, is I may be attacked by armies of bots mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I get hate, uh, I get death threats, I get all kinds of smears, personal attacks. But I can tell you that when it comes to uh, people who talk about their experiences. So when I talk about turbo cancer, for example, and that young women are presenting with stage four breast cancers in their 20s and 30s, and all they have in their personal medical histories is that they had COVID vaccines. Um, you know, when I say that and I get viciously attacked by the bots, well, there are a lot more people who post their personal experiences and say, yes, I've lost my granddaughter. I've lost my wife. I've lost my, you know, daughter. I've, I've lost family members to the, and they, they tell us the, the, the tragedies that they've suffered. Um, my Substack actually made it on Joe Rogan. So uh, I, was, I was quite happy about that. Uh, that was kind of nice. Uh, that was an unexpected. Uh, Joe Rogan's actually reading my Substack about uh, fenbendazole, which is one of the, uh, the alternative cancer treatments that I've written about. Okay. So that was, that was nice there. But, um, you know, I think people now... You know, so so the, the the propaganda, the COVID propaganda and the vaccine propaganda is being drowned out by people coming forward and sharing their stories. Because like you said, uh, like you said, Carrie, at the beginning, um, and, and if you ask a room full of people who knows someone who've, yeah. who's died from COVID, there'll be a couple of hands. And, yeah. and, and those are absolutely tragic deaths. And if you ask someone who knows, you know, people, you know, how, if they know someone who's been severely injured or died from the COVID vaccine, you're going to see almost everybody put up their hand in the room, and, yeah. and that's the, that's the point where we're reaching. So for 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 politicians who couldn't find the courage to do the right thing, you know, I, I think at least we're coming to that point where they may actually still be able to do the right thing, and it, there will be tremendous public support for it, and especially in a place like Alberta. Mm -hmm. I, I did you know, want to ask a, a question. Ahead, uh, we've known each other now for about two plus years. And 
the first report that kind of got notoriety, got your name out, was the report on the doctors dying, right? And I believe when we started talking, it was at 60, and then it went to 100, and then it was over 100. And then, and then the next phase after that was you were talking about kids. How does this research actually happen? Do people get a hold of you to say, can you look into this? Or do you self-research it? Like, because there are now, I mean, it, it's great. If you haven't signed up for Dr. Mackis's, uh, uh on his social media, or you can even go to his website, we'll get that in a second. Um, and you can sign up for uh, his daily letter, daily newsletter. It's almost like a couple of times a day. It feels like sometimes because there is so much information coming out and and so many concerns and and uh you know especially with what's happened you know you talk about sports injuries you talk about celebrity injuries where does all this information actually come from you know the fascinating thing about when 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 you're when you're one of the few people in the world actually reporting on this mm -hmm. people then come to you and and they come to you with information and and so my email is flooded my my inboxes are flooded on Twitter, yeah. on Instagram. Um, you know, I get DMs, but I get DMs about deaths. You know, I don't, I don't get the fun DMs. I get DMs about, you know, people and their family members dying. And, and I get in, basically inside information on, on a lot of these deaths. Uh, people will tell me, yes, you know, this person had, you know, this many vaccines or they had their last vaccine during this time and so on. And, and so I get a lot of information that way. I, you know, again, it, it's, it's, um, I always say that, you know, I am highly trained. I should be reading PET scans, CT scans. I should be treating cancer patients in Alberta, but Alberta Health Services won't let me do that. The College mm -hmm. of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta won't let me do that. They will not let me do what I was trained for, which is to diagnose and treat cancer patients. So instead, they are basically forcing me to report on the injuries and deaths that AHS and the college are causing on a daily basis. And, and and this is what this is the situation that they've put me in, and I'm happy to do this because if I if I don't do it, uh, a lot of these deaths will simply go completely unreported. They'll they'll be swept under the rug, and uh, you know they'll never be heard from again. And there's nothing better than HS would like than for no one to know about you know which Albertans have died uh, or or Canadians in general, uh, which you know what kind of injuries are they suffering? What kind of cancers are they coming down with? autoimmune diseases, neurological diseases, and so on. So I do get, you know, a lot of information coming to me. I have some specific sources myself as well. I sort of learned over time, you know, where to, to find a lot of this information. And, and, you know, again, it's the point is to simply get the information out there. And, you know, people can take it or leave it, right? Uh, you know, my Substack is macsmd.substack.com. Um, I, on my Twitter account is macsmd. And, you know, I report what I see and, and I and I give my sort of medical opinion of of the phenomena that I'm seeing. And I can tell you, for example, with, you know, with the Canadian doctors, there was a very um, concentrated effort by mainstream media about a year ago to kill this story mm -hmm. and to smear me and to basically destroy my reputation and make me unemployable for the rest of my life. This was done by Toronto Star. This was done by Glo Global News, uh, by Reuters, and by Associated Press. And it was done within a very short period of time. So it looks like there was coordination to do this, yeah. to say that this is completely made up, that no, no Canadian doctor has ever been injured by the vaccine or has died. Uh, and I was viciously smeared and defamed 
in a campaign. And in the Toronto Star, it was led by uh, law professor Timothy Caulfield, who is a law professor at the University of Alberta, Trudeau Foundation Fellow, who has just received the Order of Canada for fighting misinformation online. He led this mainstream media charge to have my reputation destroyed on the issue of, of, of Canadian doctors dying suddenly. And so when it came time for the, you know, the National Citizens Inquiry, I've given all my data to the National Citizens Inquiry and they won't touch it. They won't even look at it. Uh, the Canadian Medical Association has actually given on their annual meeting, the keynote speech was given by Timothy Caulfield, again, about misinformation. And now he's been funded by the Trudeau government to the tune of over $2 million in grant money to, do, to smear other doctors who are trying to raise concerns about the vaccines. And it said that part of his mission and part of the mission of his group, Science Up First, is to promote vaccine acceptance, not education about vaccines, not, you know, uh, bodily autonomy or informed consent. Just accept it. But just accept it. Vaccine acceptance. This is the language that they use. Uh, so, you know, I, I've been viciously, viciously attacked. And I personally, I don't care. The more they attack me, the, the more I'm going to report, the more information I'm going to put out and the more material I'm going to put out. So here's uh, a here's a quick, uh, I got to interject because there's yep. there's so much to talk about. But if everything was fine and everything worked the way it was supposed to and, there, and nobody noticed anything wrong around us, why is it that the government needs all these organizations to advocate for them? Why do we need propaganda machines trying to convince us to take these medical interventions? Well, they claim that, that basically they are fighting against you know these crazy doctors and and, and russian russian disinformation and all uh, oh, the russians yes you know the russians, russians. And, and the maga activists and and the trump and you know they'll throw trump's name in there and and, and suddenly it's this mishmash of, of some right-wing conspiracy and in reality what they're doing is they're using government funds to silence doctors and scientists who are trying to raise legitimate concerns uh, you know, legitimate medical scientific concerns, and they're using government money to silence them. They're using government money to silence victims uh, of, of these vaccines as well, because, uh, you know, there, there are doctors who've been injured by these vaccines, and they attack those individuals as well. So they attack the victims of these vaccines also. So it's a very, uh, it's a very unfortunate and nasty situation. But, um, you know, my goal really is to just give the information to people and honestly you know if if someone is making things up uh you know you don't last long on, on the internet just making things up right mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean that that is uh you know I, I i wouldn't last on the internet very long i have a team of lawyers whose full-time job is to monitor every social media post i make every twitter post wow. i make is monitored by a team of at least three or four ahs lawyers and usually one or two college lawyers and they're using taxpayer money to do it. That sounds like what, what happened with Chris. Anytime uh, his name or whatever would be showing up, AHS would be all over it. Well, what is it? Oh, yeah. Book? Yeah, that was funny. So isn't it we, funny that we, this we, is we, what taxpayer money goes to? This is exactly what's it's going for us. What's what's funny is that people just continue on and they they hear these things are happening, you know, they hear rumblings of it, they just continue on like everything's fine. Oh, well, whatever, someone will sort it out. And nobody really well few people get get involved but we've talked about a lot of problems here and these yep. are big problems they're substantial problems literally life and death yeah 
What are the solutions? Well, I, I think we should actually break this up into two parts. What is the, the overall solution to deal with AHS? And obviously, here's, here's the big one that a lot of people have, have asked. Number one, what's in the vaccine? And number two, is there a way to flush all that stuff out of your system? So, Carrie, before uh, Dr. Mackis answers that, yes. I do have one answer for all of this, okay. but I'll let Dr. Mackis uh, attack these questions, not attack them, pardon me, tackle these questions because I'm interested uh, for somebody in my family as well. Okay, so you, you've just <laughs> you've just asked some pretty big questions. There. I know they're like 10, 10, 20 hour questions. Yes, my apologies for asking. I, you know, in in terms of Alberta Health Services, uh, you know the college and so on, it has to be a political solution, and it has to come from it has to come from the UCP government. Um, you know they have the majority, so there's no excuse that well they don't have the they don't have the votes or they don't have the seats, right? Or they're in opposition. Right. You know, like right now, Rachel Notley is on opposition. There's not much she can do. They have a majority government. There's absolutely no excuse for not reforming an, an institution like Alberta Health Services or an entity like the College of Physicians and Surgeons or even the Alberta Medical Association, which is corrupt as well. Uh, all three of these institutions, by the way, filled with leftists, uh, filled with globalists. You just have to get them out. Uh, and again, like I said, all of this, you know, healthcare in Alberta is governed through the Health Professions Act. You don't have to scrap anything. You, you, all you have to do is just make the proper amendments within the Health Professions Act to reform AHS. However you want to reform it, at, start at least by getting the corrupt people out. Um, reform the College of Physicians, probably dissolve it and reconstitute a new entity just because of the nature of, of this private entity that it is now. Um, and, and all that can be done. You just need good lawyers, good, honest lawyers, you, and you need sort of a, a well laid out plan of, of, of how to reform these institutions. And really, what do you want? You know, what what do we want for healthcare in Alberta? Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, I think we want to get rid of waste. I think we want to get rid of corruption. I think we want to get rid of abusing doctors and nurses. Uh, right now, what what the BC what the BC government did was they. Um, they amended the Health Professions Act to actually make it more abusive against doctors and nurses so that now they have to take whatever vaccines are mandated by the Ministry of Health. They have to take them or they, or they lose their licenses. They have to uh, basically not give their patients informed consent because they could be charged $200,000 penalties or face six months imprisonment. They're going in the opposite direction. Alberta can really move in the in the direction of freedom. And, and, and let's, let's just go back to the basics of informed consent, bodily autonomy, you know, the sacrosanct relationship between the patient and doctor. Give healthcare professionals the freedom because, you know, healthcare professionals, we have a lot of good healthcare professionals. They're being abused. They're being silenced. They're being harmed by the COVID vaccines. We, we have a sort of an unspoken mandate at AHS where there's tremendous pressure for them to be still taking these COVID vaccines. Just give give them their freedom back, mm -hmm. and 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 a lot of the problems will start to sort solve themselves. We will be flooded. Alberta will be flooded with healthcare workers from around Canada, from around the United States, um, freedom-minded healthcare workers, healthcare workers who stood up for their patients during the pandemic. I mean, shouldn't we want the best of the best? 
shouldn't we want the people who stood up for their patients when it mattered, even at the cost of their own jobs? Mm -hmm. We can be that place, right? Alberta can be that place. You just need a little bit of um, planning, a couple of good lawyers, you have the seats, so you can have the amendments, you know, read in the legislature and you can have the amendments passed within a matter of a week. You know, it's fairly simple, but uh, you have to ignore the media because the media will try to stop you every step of the way. The media is completely compromised. You know, it's on the left. Uh, the media still pushing the vaccines, still not talking about vaccine injuries or deaths. Um, you just have to have the courage to, to sort of push through and a vision. And, and the other thing I would say is, is communicate this vision to Albertans, because I believe, you know, I, I think Albertans are, are amazing people. Um, and, and I think if you communicate, if you trust Albertans and you communicate these visions directly to Albertans and you explain what you're doing, what the vision is, uh, and, you know, of course, all the investigations can come afterwards. I think Albertans will 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 see will see this and will support it. Uh, I, I think I think this is where Jason Kenney really screwed up, mm-hmm. because if he had a conviction, and if he had you know the right principles, and he just stuck by his conviction, I think most Albertans would have supported him, or at least you know enough would have supported him that he probably would still be premier uh, to this day. Yeah, sometimes in those situations, like for for instance, right now our our government is talking about an Alberta pension plan and and they're showing how it's going to be better for Albertans. At some point, you have to have the intestinal or yeah, intestinal fortitude to just go ahead and do the right thing, even though there may be people screaming at you or calling you down, because if you know what you're doing is the right thing and it's true eventually the truth will set you free because the results will show, right? Like if the premier tomorrow just said, okay, we're going to have an Alberta pension plan, did it? People would see the results almost immediately and it would be beneficial to everybody, right? But we live in this this ridiculous era of cancel culture and everyone is scared to do anything or say the wrong thing or, you know, stand the wrong way. And then we end up in limbo a lot of these issues. So, you know, I, I I hope our government starts to make these changes it seems like there's an appetite but carrie you you said that this could be broken down into a couple parts yeah this the second part was of course uh what is in the vax if you know and uh, that maybe is causing injury oh, and then the second that, part is how to yeah. how to clean it so i'm not sure chris do you want to talk about your solution first before or does it matter no no i want i want to hear uh, okay. uh dr, dr. mackis's okay. uh, take on what we just yeah. found out about what's in that yeah yeah so you know, I can preface that by saying that virtually nobody knows what's actually in, in, in the vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. However, what we do know is, is that um, re- there's been recent discovery that there's contamination, DNA contamination in these vaccines. Uh, the DNA contamination comes from the manu- mass manufacturing process of the vaccines, where they take the spike protein sequence as a DNA plasmids or ring of DNA they put it into E. coli, they grow the E. coli into billions of numbers, they extract the, the DNA plasmids, and then they then they engineer, they uh, 
transcribe it to the mRNA with the pseudouridine modifications and so on, which won the Nobel Prize, which is actually the most, you know, one of the most toxic parts of the vaccine, causing the most injuries and deaths, ironically winning the Nobel Prize for that. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a number of geneticists in the States. Kevin McKernan is one. Philip Buckholz is another one who've discovered and verified that there is DNA contamination in every single vial of Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. Hmm. There's DNA uh, contamination. Uh, some of it is rings of DNA. Some of it is fragments of DNA. And uh, the, the danger there is that you are injecting now a, a double gene therapy product so you've got not just the mrna the the the, the modified mrna uh, component of it but now you've got the dna as well which is a which is a contamination which shouldn't be there um which you're now injecting as well and the dna much more easily integrates into our genome um into certain cells where it could then start producing spike protein potentially indefinitely Right. And cause all kinds of immunological problems, maybe even maybe even some of these aggressive turbo cancers that we're seeing. The additional complication of this is that in the Pfizer vaccine specifically, it was discovered that there is a component of an oncogenic virus, uh, SV40, simian virus 40. There's a there's a part of it, a, a promoter or enhancer sequence of that virus in the Pfizer DNA sequence sitting in front of the uh, the spike protein sequence. And Pfizer did not disclose this to Health Canada. It didn't disclose this. Uh, I believe it didn't disclose it to any of the regulators, whether it was, uh, you know, FDA or the European regulators as well. I believe Health Canada has recently admitted that, yes, the sequence is there. Yes, uh, Pfizer didn't notify us that it's there. Uh, and, and so the risk of this being there is that it could add to the risk of developing cancer in the future just by the nature of the sequence being from the simian virus 40, that virus being implicated in certain cancers. Uh, even if you have a component of it, it could cause problems, again, depending where in the genome it inserts. Uh, if you knock out a tumor suppressor gene, if it inserts in a tumor suppressor gene and you knock it out, you've suddenly knocked out one of your big defense mechanisms to protect you from cancer. So a huge development. Um, now, I think what's going to happen is that Health Canada has been forced to admit that, yes, you know, this, this, this exists, this is there, but it's not, it, it doesn't cause any problems clinically. And they're going to just move the goalpost and say, oh, it doesn't cause any health problems and so on. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how they try to spin this. Uh, but, you know, again, this is yet another reason to take these vaccines off the market. Mm -hmm. And because now you have genetic contamination that should never, should have never been there that you know increases the risk of an aberrant immune response increases the risk of developing cancer uh, and so again another reason why these vaccines should be taken off the market of course the canadian government will not take them off the market they're building mrna factories instead right so uh but again alberta you know could be the first province to to actually take these vaccines off the market and like i said you know, I believe, you know, I believe in freedom and, 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 you know, if adults really want to keep taking these vaccines at their own risk, you've got every medical institution in Canada that has backed these toxic, dangerous vaccines. So have at it. And if you're injured, go try to get money from the Canadian Medical Association or the college or AHS or Health Canada. Right. And you should have the freedom to do that. Right. We have the freedom to, to drink and smoke 
and and you know uh, smoke cannabis and what have you in bc they have the freedom to to take whatever hard drugs that they want so fine if you're an adult consenting adult and and you're fully informed of all the risks then you know you've got all these institutions that has that have backed these products but there's no way in hell that these products should still be given to children uh, who cannot make you know a, an informed decision who certainly haven't been advised of the risks and 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 you know cannot uh, make these kinds of decisions uh, you should protect kids you should protect uh, women in pregnancy because we know that there's horrific things that happen with these vaccines in pregnancy from congenital malformations to miscarriages to stillbirths pregnant women having cardiac arrests pregnant women dying you know during delivery dying from pulmonary emboli dying from turbo cancers i am now writing articles on substacks about pregnant women developing stage four turbo cancers during pregnancy and they're dead within a few months after delivery now you've got babies that are basically orphans because their vaccinated mothers have died from these stage four turbo cancers so get these products off the market uh, and at the very least protect children protect pregnant women and start in alberta that that's something you know it's very interesting that's something that daniel smith could do and really lead the way uh in this in in, in north america but but dr Marcus, how can this be the, the 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 vaccine is safe and effective and our minister of health our federal minister of health said that we had enough information and there was enough testing done and enough safety data on these medical interventions that we could say that they're safe and effective and distribute them to everybody in the country and then actually tell them they have to take it to have their rights how could this be what do you want me to say chris yeah i i, I don't know what to say uh, and this is a question that I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be asking right our government said this was safe they said they had the information they said they had enough information to distribute this to the canadian people and they didn't yeah how could this happen Will it be one of these late night commercials uh, that's going to show up and say, if you've had a vaccine injury back in uh, 2020? Oh, you know, you, what this is, you know what this is going to be? Here's the sad part. I'll yeah. tell you exactly what this is going to be. 25 years from now, 30, 30, 40 years from now, yeah. there's going to be three men just like us. They're going to be having a conversation just like this. And they're going to be saying something like, you know what? We've been wrong before. We were wrong before. Do you remember the COVID days and the COVID vaccine? Everyone thought it was safe and look what happened. That's the conversation they're going right. to be having. It's Just true. like we are having a conversation right now that said, you know what? We've been wrong before. The science said thalidomide was safe and look how that went. Yeah. And we're going to go through the same thing over and over and over again. I just hope that we have the capability and the tenacity to get through this with the least amount of harm happen as possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. But so I'll ask, I'll yeah. ask this question one more time, <laughs> but in a different way. So, you know somebody that's already had to go uh, and get the jab because of work or whatever it is they've already had one they've already had two maybe they've had three or four number one word of advice have them stop but number two is how can they possibly cleanse or cleanse themselves of the vaccine and any possible injury down the road okay so the number one step is to stop all all mRNA vaccines, not, don't take any mRNA vaccine of any kind, any COVID vaccine of any kind, any, any flu vaccine of any kind, because 
it's not going to stop at COVID vaccines. They're going to introduce very soon. They're going to introduce RSV mRNA vaccines. They're going to introduce influenza mRNA vaccines. Um, and, and, you know, they'll keep pushing. I mean, there's, you know, I did a, a dive into this and there's, there's almost, I think around 500 mRNA vaccines that are in the pipeline of, uh, in, at one stage or another. Hmm. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, they, they, they plan to flood us with mRNA vaccines. So stop taking the vaccines period. That's, that's the most important thing you can do. Number two is you have to be proactive with your health. You cannot wait until you have some kind of a side effect. Uh, or injury because the majority of the sudden deaths that I'm reporting right now, there was no warning. That's why you see these obituaries, sudden and unexpected death. The families are shocked. The friends are shocked. The coworkers are shocked. And you see this over and over again. Everybody's shocked because the person had no issues, uh, no health issues, and then they died suddenly. So you have to be proactive. Whether you've had symptoms or not, you have to be proactive. You have to be looking at uh, things, uh, supplements or nutraceuticals that break down the spike protein. These are things like nanokinase, bromelain, serapeptase, lumbrokinase. These are enzymes that break down the spike protein. Nanokinase is well studied. It breaks down the spike protein. It breaks down blood clots. So it's it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a form of a blood thinner as well. It breaks down amyloid. It breaks down prions. These are abnormal proteins that some vaccinated people produce in their system because these sequences for amyloid and prion proteins are actually in the spike protein sequence. So if you end up transcribing only a certain part of the spike protein, you end up with amyloid. That deposits in your heart. That deposits in your brain. You get early Alzheimer's disease from this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and so natokinase will break those things down as well. And then you're looking at things that could block the spike protein from doing damage. These are things like ivermectin. Ivermectin remains the cornerstone of treatment for vaccine injury, for long COVID, uh, potentially for shedding, but also future pandemics. If we're ever hit with another uh, very serious COVID variant, or if we're hit with uh, some uh, influenza, H5N1, for example, with a fatality rate of 50%, if we're hit with Zika virus, Marburg virus, uh, Nipah virus, Ebola virus with gain-of-function research, mm -hmm. ivermectin will work on all of those. Uh, so it's good to have and it in your back pocket. Anyone that doesn't believe that, just check out how um, um, uh, Trinidad and uh, Trinidad did it throughout the pandemic. They had one of the lowest COVID mortalities on the planet, and it just so happened that they mass uh, uh, administered ivermectin to the population to control some sort of a waterborne parasite. So there's a interesting correlation there. But uh, you, you said a lot of words there that I've never heard before, Dr. Macca. So where can, oh, look at Terry, he's got it. Where can people find this information? And is there an organization that you're uh, working with now that works on this type of thing? So right now I'm the chief of oncology at the, the wellness company, uh, twc.health. The wellness company, we're working with Dr. Peter McCullough. We're working with Dr. Paul Alexander, Dr. Roger Hodkinson, Dr. Mark Trozzi. So many of the doctors who were sabotaged, uh, you know, during the COVID-19 pandemic. So they have some of these products, people, you know, like the spike support formula, which has the natokinase. Um, I was also going to say that in terms of blocking the spike protein, there, there's things like quercetin, olive leaf extract, black seed, also known as nigella sativa. 
Um, so there are other nutraceuticals that can block the spike protein from doing damage. Um, this, the spike support formula, this one has the natokinase, which is the key enzyme that breaks down the spike protein. It also has dandelion root, which blocks the spike protein, also has black seed in it. So it actually has three of the things that uh, counteract the spike protein. Uh, then you're looking at ant antioxidants, things like N-acetylcysteine, NAC, and vitamin C. Very important because the spike protein creates oxidative damage. It damages mitochondria. It creates free radicals. Uh, this causes a lot of damage, tissue damage. So you need to have antioxidants on board. Um, and so NAC, vitamin C are popular ones. Uh, I believe quercetin also has antioxidant activities and black seed, uh, Nigella sativa does as well. Uh, people then, I think vitamin D is very crucial to build up your immune system. And I think it's crucial whether it's, you know, whether it's COVID-19, whether you're suffering from vaccine injuries or, you know, whether you want to protect yourself against future pandemics, vitamin D is absolutely crucial. Uh, one of the first things that they asked Fauci was how much vitamin D he takes a daily. And I think it was either 6,000 or 8,000 so units a day. So, you know, we're all vitamin deficient to various levels. And when they looked at the vitamin D levels of, of patients who, who did really poorly uh, with COVID-19, were hospitalized and died, uh, something like 80 to 90% of them had were vitamin D deficient, had low vitamin D levels. So very crucial for the immune system. And then um, another thing I, I suggest, again, if you don't have money or you don't, you, you don't want to try, you know, you don't want to do any of these supplements, is a three to five day water fast. Uh, and this is fasting with nothing just but water uh, for 72 hours. And you could go up to five days if you can. And what that does is it, it uh, initiates autophagy, which your body starts clearing cells that were damaged by the spike protein. Uh, your body just starts to clear, clear them out. So you could actually get rid of a lot of the spike protein out of your system that way. Um, and then your body starts to reboot your immune system. So it, it starts to produce new immune cells. So immune system damage is very, very, one of the key mechanisms of vaccine injury is you get severe damage to your immune system. That's why we see vaccinated people are often getting sick all the time. You know, they keep getting COVID or they keep testing positive. They keep getting the flu. Some of them, you know, they end up with sepsis and all kinds of bizarre infections. That's because of immune system damage. Um, and so um, doing a, a th at least a three-day fast will actually re start to rebuild your immune system that, that was damaged by the spike protein. So you get stem cells produced, sent to other parts of the body. So a really an amazing mechanism to try to help yourself. It's not a cure. You know, you're not going to get cured of your vaccine injury by doing a three-day fast. You have to do them, you know, probably fairly often, uh, you know, maybe once a month, uh, maybe even twice a month. Uh, if you've been, you know, vaccine injured, but that is another thing that you don't need any money, any supplements. Uh, it's just a, a, a fast with, with water. Well, there's lots of questions about, you know, how do I take it? What do I do with it? Where do I buy it? All that. Um, again, we'll probably end up adding a lot of the comments after the, uh, the webinar, cause there's, there's so many things to, to talk about here. Chris, did you want to ask any more questions? I'm going to go back. There's like, I've got like 40, 40 questions that have been asked that I do want to get to a lot of. Them. Sure. Yeah. So let's, we're going to filter out a lot of questions by saying, folks, if you have questions about 
um, any of the advice Dr. Macus has given regarding um, any any treatments, go visit the website. Go visit the website. Do as much reading as you can there. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, I think the wellness company they have a chat feature as well, don't they? Or they used to. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, we, we've had to change things because you know we had a Canadian website, and then Health Canada started coming after uh, coming after the company. Uh, because Health Canada is really coming after uh, natural natural health, health products, products in general, yeah. and so yeah. this is again another mechanism by which you know the the federal government is squeezing us. You know we, we've got you know the, obviously the suppression of the media and, and the censorship. You know now they're squeezing us. Uh, health Canada is actually trying to take control of natural health products so they could regulate them and put you know a lot of natural health providers out of business and, and make you know because ultimately. Um, you know, the, 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 our federal government uh, invested heavily into pharmaceutical, into the pharmaceutical industry. And, and you know, I can talk about that. They invested in, into the cancer program that I had in Alberta as well. Trudeau government poured over $300 million into that. So they're heavily invested in pharmaceutical treatments. And I can tell you the, the top, you know, the, the, the sixth most, um, what do you call it? Um, best-selling drug in the world. The sixth best-selling drug in the world is a blood thinner by Pfizer, Eliquis. Eliquis, hmm. the sixth best-selling drug. It's a blood thinner. Uh, it's owned uh, partly by Pfizer and Bristol Myers Squid. Uh, squid. No, squid. Squib. Sorry. And and so there's eight, and that's eighteen billion dollars last year in revenue of just yes. blood. This is just blood clots. This is just treating the blood clots from the COVID-19 vaccines. Of course, there's a cancer drug in there. That's one of the top sellers. And there's, you know, there's, there's cardio, like cardiomyopathy drug as well. That's in the top 10. So there's big money to be made from vaccine injuries. And imagine if you can treat your vaccine injuries with a $30, $40, you know, bottle yeah. of natokinase instead of a $1,000 or $2,000 prescription of, for Eliquis, uh, who's going to make the money? You know, the pharmaceutical companies want to make money off the vaccine injured. And, right. and, and so they want to push people to the point where th that's the only option you have is to keep taking drugs for the injuries that they caused uh, in you in the first place. You know, I think we're going to have to line up another webinar. Uh, perhaps we should maybe even bring we Sean Buckley on uh, sure. with you to talk about do, some of these um, things. We could even do it. I mean, if you want to do a separate of just Q&A, we could also do that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because we're already we're in an hour and a half now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's getting it's getting late. But so that, that's what I'm going to suggest, Carrie. Can we direct folks to the wellness company website to deal with yeah. some of those yeah. questions? And yeah. then let's just try and pick out some of some of the other ones. And I want to point out, Dr. Macus, even in the comments, I've been scrolling through and looking as best I can. Uh, there's a lot of people commenting in there about loved ones that they've lost due to these these issues. So, you know, well, this is a this is a big deal. If I may, um, if I may just take like, you know, one or two minutes. Yes. I did want to say that uh, it, when we look at the data and again, this is coming from Ed Dowd. Uh, this is coming from Dennis Ranker. This is coming from Ethical Skeptic. When you look at the data in terms of the deaths uh of young people that this is kids and working age people up to the age of, of of let's say 54 we are at a record mortality so record number of deaths over the past three years we're at the highest point in terms of deaths from cardiac deaths cancer deaths 
and all-cause mortality. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is, you see this reflected in the social media comments with just how many people are reporting their loved ones or friends that they know that have died suddenly or been severely injured. So, so we're actually, we're, we're, we're at a maximal point right now. So far, the trend is only trending upwards. I haven't seen a downturn of any of these trends, whether it's cancer, whether it's, and people are not taking the vaccines. So, so we are dealing with, we're starting to look at dealing, this is long-term damage from mm-hmm. the COVID vaccines. And the trend for now, tragically seems to be increasing. And so this is going to be a big topic. And I honestly think that, you know, I mean, the mainstream media in Alberta can, you know, ignore this issue all they want. The alternative media like Rebel News, Western Standards, True North should not be ignoring this uh, issue any longer. And I'll kind of leave it at that. And I can tell you that the politicians certainly, I think, will come to a point where this will be unignorable. Like the politicians will not be able to go anywhere and will and, and they'll be faced with families of the vaccine injured and dying. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll have to address this sooner or later, better address this sooner than later and take a proactive approach and say, OK, you know, we're going to deal with this issue now and we're going to we're going to tackle AHS and we're going to tackle these stupid mask mandates and we're going to tackle these, uh, you know, abuses of doctors and nurses and healthcare workers uh, who are still being stripped of their licenses, being kicked out, being fired by AHS, being persecuted mm-hmm. uh, by the colleges. Uh, you know, let's let's do that now. And I think Albertans are understanding. Uh, they're probably very forgiving, uh, especially as you know, in regards to what's happened in the last three years. Um, and I think the time to act would be now. I agree. Yeah, and, and just so you know, folks, I will at the end here. Sorry, Carrie, I do that all the time. I will wrap this up with uh, with a comment on how how this has anything to do with the Alberta Prosperity Project and what we're doing, because uh, right. it certainly does. Yeah. So I did have about 40 questions, whittled it back down to about 20. Now I'm back up to 24. I'm only going to grab just a couple of comments. First one here, because I want to know too. Dr. Mackis, are you meeting with Dr. Peter McCullough on November 9th in Red? I'll be there. Yes, I'll okay, be there. So if you don't have your ticket, get your ticket. I, how do people get tickets? Do you know? I don't know. <laughs> it's a uh, fire, fire. It's a uh, fire and ice. Fire and ice. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. uh, Joseph Burgo, Theo Fleury, and Jamie Salate. They're uh, they're organizing. Do, do a Google for Dr. Peter McCullough November 9th, Red Red Deer, and I'm sure that will show up there. Um, Here's another one. How can one get healthcare outside of AHS? That's very difficult right now because um, because AHS is basically the sole provider. Well, the main. Uh, how would I put this? Um, AHS has basically been tasked with providing healthcare in Alberta. Now, there's Covenant Health that I guess is in partnership with AHS, but it's 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 very. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, so I, I, don't I, know that you I have can. a comment. Okay. Uh, I understand that a lot of people have lost faith in the system that administers their health care in Alberta. But please do not lose faith in the people on the front lines who are there to help you. Like I, I've had to go to the hospital a, a couple times over the last couple of years. That's right. And I have never, ever had a bad experience. I've never ever been concerned that I wasn't given care or respect or anything like that. 
So I, that's just, that's just a reminder. Like there are things going on. The bureaucracy sucks. The organization sucks, but the people are fantastic. And they, they don't do these jobs because they're becoming millionaires. They do these jobs because they want to help people. So um, don't, don't be scared or uh, angry at AHS and not, um, let those people help you with what you need help with. There, there are a lot of good people in healthcare. Absolutely. There's no question about that. You do have to be careful though, because there are also ideologues and yeah. the ideologues mm -hmm. are these doctors who basically have said, yes, we will deny care to the unvaccinated. Yes. If you're unvaccinated, we will not give you the proper care. Uh, and, and so there are people like that in the system as well. So, so, and, and I understand people have lost trust completely in the system. And that's something we'll have to rebuild. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't believe in throwing out the baby with the bathwater and, you know, you know, we'll, we'll have to find a way to rebuild that trust. Uh, but there's two elements of that. There's a lot of good people in the system that just want to help you. There are also people, though, that are willing to deny care to someone who, let's say, hasn't followed the propaganda and, and has been unvaccinated, for example. So here's another one. <clears throat> Should young children be getting the usual vaccines like the MMR, the mumps, rubella? Can the pharmaceutical yeah. Can the pharmaceutical companies be trusted? Well, the answer is the pharmaceutical companies cannot be trusted. Um, should the children be getting the usual vaccines? You know, this is something that is a personal decision that mm. parents have to really, they have to do their homework now. And, yeah. and they have to weigh, you know, weigh the sort of the pros and cons. Now, there is, I believe there will be a shift eventually to try to have a lot of these vaccines replaced with the mRNA technology, which I, I'm absolutely against. I'm absolutely against the mRNA platform, uh, the entire platform, because, you know, with the lipid nanoparticles, you know, going systemic and delivering, uh, it doesn't matter what the protein is, you know, it's the protein will be recognized as foreign by the body. So uh, the best I can tell you is, is, is that, you know, parents have to weigh, weigh the risk and benefits. Uh, I believe the classical vaccines are still the same they were, uh, you know, 20 years ago, but that you have to be much more careful now. Yeah. Michelle says the event with Dr. Peter McCullough is a fire and ice red deer. There you can go, just go on Eventbrite. You don't have to type all that in. Just go uh, fire and ice red deer, and then just go to Eventbrite when that shows up. Um, I'm gonna leave you with one more that uh, there's a few people that have also said the same thing. After what happened to, Teresa says, after what happened to Sheila Matt Lewis, it's hard to have faith in AHS. So, I think, you know what, um, I don't want to go too deeply into it because I think there's going to be more that's going to come out about what, what happened, what really happened to Sheila Lewis beyond just the fact that she was denied a transplant. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's actually more to the story, which is actually even worse than what is known publicly right now. I'm not the best person to speak about that. And I think that information will come out and it's, it's, it's even worse than, than what, whatever we know about it at this yeah. point. So Chris, you've got the floor for a minute or two. Can you, can you squeeze that into a minute or two? Up, <laughs> oh, can't hear you. Can't hear you. There you go. I'll try now. I said, Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, um, at the Alberta Prosperity Project, we want a prosperous and free Alberta. Mm -hmm. And part of that means that we need to have a healthy Alberta. Now, 
you might be wondering why we talk about these problems with AHS and you know the damage that's being done around us. The, the reason these things even occurred in this province is because we gave up sovereignty. We've allowed outside uh, influences to interfere with our sovereign jurisdiction in administering our healthcare here. We've given up the, uh, the ability to hold those administering our healthcare accountable by allowing a bloated bureaucracy to take control and take so much power that eventually we didn't even have the right to make a decision on what kind of medical intervention we were going to uh, allow in our own bodies. We gave up our personal medical sovereignty. And so the, the, you, there's a common theme here, sovereignty, right? Mm -hmm. We want all of that back. We want uh, the federal government to stay out of our sovereign jurisdiction. We want the people of Alberta to be able to hold our administrators to account. And that's that's how we fit in here. So it's just this this whole issue is just one more symptom of a disease, which is lack of sovereignty. And once we start pulling that back, we can start changing these things and we can start uh, we can start moving the needle again and, and get back to a place where you know we can make our own choices, our own decisions, and we can prosper for it. So that's that's how we fit into this. And please, if you want to support what we're doing and you haven't already, become a member. You can even buy a membership as a gift for somebody that you know. That's Heck, a great idea. Buy a membership for your NDP neighbor with NDP lawn signs on there with a shirt that says, I couldn't be more vaccinated if you really want to. But do something. Help us to get this message out. Uh, these webinars, believe it or not, it costs time and resources and money to do them. So if you can and you're able to, please consider making a donation at uh, the albertaprosperityproject.com to help cover the cost of these things. And if you like the work that we're doing on getting this information to people, please do what you can to support, volunteer, throw us a few bucks, whatever. No one's getting rich here, but uh, it certainly helps ease the burden of doing uh, these these kinds of things. So that's, great, yeah. that's, that's all I got. Uh, and Carrie, I'll turn it back to you and then uh, Dr. Mackis. Okay. Well, actually, I was going to just see if Dr. Mackis wanted to end up with a, a few comments. And then I was going to kind of tie together. We've got other events and stuff going on. So I want to let people know about that. So Dr. Mackis, if you want to make some comments. Well, I wanted to first of all thank you for for you know for giving me a platform and for interviewing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, it, it's it's you're you're again you're you're doing work that you know the mainstream media is doing that some of the alternative media is not doing, and and, and it really is is I think it's about informing Albertans. Yeah. And you know, again, you know, some of my views may be seen as maybe a little bit controversial, and and uh, you know I. Tend to use language that maybe is might be seen as controversial, but you know I'm a, I'm I'm very much a believer in the truth, and you know there's a lot I've seen, a lot that I've experienced, a lot that I want to share with people, and um, you know you give me the platform to do that, so uh, thank you very much, and I really appreciate the you know what 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 you're doing here tonight. Absolutely, well, you're welcome. Again, thank you, thank you for taking time out of your day just to do this. I know there's. There's tons of emails and stuff I'm sure you need to be uh, taken care of, but uh, I'll wrap this up hopefully in about a minute or so. Uh, again, thank you everybody for, for sticking around and, uh, and watching what's going on. So we've got some events coming up. We've actually got the um, 
the UCP AGM is happening this weekend, and that is taking place in Calgary. And Chris and I will be there. Chris, are you going to be there? Are you? Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I might even wear a suit. What? I'm just razzing him yeah. because uh, he's been so busy and 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 unable to get to certain th events. So I know this one is a, is a big priority for him. Um, and then, of course, next weekend, we've got our ambassador tour, which is still taking place. And that's with uh, Corey Morgan and Chris and uh, Dr. Modry. And that's going to be taking place in Redcliffe, uh, which is basically Medicine Hat, although maybe people at Redcliffe don't actually like saying that. But uh, that is on uh, the 12th of November. And, and even on the 10th of November, we're in Calgary at the Marta Luke uh, Community Hall. So that's that's a, a, a really good weekend. We also have um, Red Deer on the 17th and Bingley, which is um, our Rocky Mountain House. That's on the 18th. And then on the 19th is Sherwood Park. So if you can get out and uh, come and visit us and have a conversation and hear what these fabulous people are saying at the ambassador tour that would be uh great as well and then and bring, bring your friends that disagree with our message bring yeah them, that's please. right they should so and we do these webinars every wednesday of course it is wednesday now next week is not a wednesday though next wednesday or next tuesday during the day we're going to set up a couple of posters but we got sylvain sylvain charlebois who's from the food industry and he's going to be telling us all about we shouldn't be eating at all we, ju we should just stop eating just right now and, uh, Problem and just solved. That, that's it. So we're going to be talking with him. That's Tuesday during the day. And, of course, all of these webinars end up getting posted up on the Alberta Prosperity Project. They even get posted on the Chris and Kerry show, so make sure you go check that out. And, but next Wednesday, we will be doing something in regards to what just happened at the UCP AGM that we went to. So I want to do something along with that, and hopefully Chris will join us and talk about maybe uh, how the whole AGM went through, uh, what policies went through, maybe what didn't, uh, what the uh, underlying message was, and maybe even how Danielle Smith, uh, uh, in her in her uh, what do you what do you call it, just the speech uh, on um, on the keynote the speech, the keynote speech, we'll call it that how that went and what she had to say. And of course, it'll almost be old news because that will already have taken place on the weekend and we'll only be talking about it on the Wednesday. But it, it'll give us time to uh, to reflect and, and see what's going on with that. So so having said all that, thank you again, Dr. Mackis, for coming out. Chris Scott. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Sitting in his car for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> go, 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 buy, go buy some nails or something that you were supposed to oh, be doing. I am. I'm going to go buy the trim for the that room. <laughs> Oh, that is funny. All right. And with that, you guys, thank you so much again. And uh, take care and have a great Wednesday. One, great one more thing. Oh, one more thing, because I like to get always, the last word and talk longer. Always get the last word. Yeah. Dr. Mackis, I've got some uh, ideas uh, crashing around in my head about uh, an event that I'd like to work on with you and maybe some folks within our government uh, to talk about some of these things. So let's keep in touch. And folks, there's a little bit of a cliffhanger for you. There you go. Always good to leave people wanting more. All right. Yes. Thanks again. Have a good night. Good night. Everybody. Thank you guys. Have a good night.